Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You are about to listen to the Loops and Life Cycles Podcast with Josh Mason. When you hear a new idea, do you wonder, can I put this into practice and what I'm doing? Join Josh Mason and guests as they dig into concepts from multiple disciplines to find ways to improve our business, our security, and our lives. Enjoy this episode and remember that knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to Loops and Life Cycles. This is Josh Mason, cybersecurity consultant with Nuvic Solutions. Today I've got my good friend Chris Frazier, who has a vast background from the U.S. Navy as well as software development and uh, the being QA and then part of the DevSecOps lifecycle. And since this is Loops and Life Cycles, we've got quite a lot of things that we can talk about today. Chris. Could you say hi to the happy people today? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Chris Frazier, just like Josh just said. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Chris. One of the things I wanted to have you on for is we've we've kind of talked about this in the past. What is kind of the purpose of the DevSecOps lifecycle? DevOps, DevSecOps, a lot of this role rotates around a, something called a SDLC. So it's Software Development Lifecycle. And this is a continuous integration so once you plan it create the code deploy the code monitor and it goes right back back into planning so you never stop developing code and pushing it out to production that makes sense is that a new thing for development or i'm not being a developer myself i only know what i've read this has been around for a while um so when I, when I say a while, you could go back probably 10 years. DevOps as a career is more, it's a newer thing. I would probably say in the past probably 5 to 10 years, it became a job all by itself. Back when we were young and the internet was young and new, um, people built monolithic, monolithic software and shipped it on floppy disks and it was what it was, right? If you wanted a new version, you made it Windows 2000, right? Yeah, you got a new 32 floppy disk to upgrade. Exactly. So then is it only web apps that kind of go through this DevOps lifecycle? Most software goes go through this uh, cycle. Um, you got your mobile apps, you got web uh, web apps, applications, then you got like stuff like kiosk. A lot of people don't like really notice the stuff they use is like their phone. You're always getting updates from your phone. That's SDLC all the way through. So then how, how does it work? So say you've got a website that's up and running, then why is it a life cycle? Like what would change? So let's say you, um, prime example, you had a breach for, or there is a, a CVE comes out, right? So you have to patch your software because it's, yeah, somebody found a vulnerability for a CVE. You have to do a patch and you got to push this out. Well, to do that, you have to make sure, A, you plan this patch that if you do deploy this, it's not going to break something else. 
So you write the code, you push it to Git or whatever repository your company is using or you're using. Um, then from there you're going to deploy it and this is where DevOps comes in, right? Um, so you're going to build it, test it, release it, deploy, then operate it. This is where DevOps really shines. It's You're going to take your code and make sure your servers are up, takes the code, make sure they work, it stays up, and you're going to monitor. And that's the whole DevOps cycle. And you go right back into plan. And if you've got something that's live, I imagine this kind of works with features too. Someone's got a new feature or uh, something that you want to change on the site, something uh, new underlying software or a, a new language. That's all, I mean, you don't want to tear down everything and build it up new, right? Yeah, that's that's the whole planning cycle. I like to think about, I always go back to uh, my time in the Air Force. And uh, one of the first things I learned about is the OODA loop. And I know mm -hmm. we've uh, chatted about that before. It's the decision-making cycle. Observe, yep. orient, decide, and act. And I know your uh, introduction to that might have been similar to mine. Uh, <laughs> perhaps way back at... Uh, Man, up near Chicago, is that yeah. where you all start? Yeah, well, you had a we had in the Navy, we had the boot camp up in uh, Great Lakes, Chicago. Well, Great Lake, Illinois, so it's right above Chicago by like forty-five minutes or so. My introduction was, hey, this is a reflection of how people act on a normal basis and how decisions are made. Not a you will do this once you understand how people are are acting how your brain works how you make decisions now where are the factors that apply to that is that similar to what your introduction was like uh so the navy takes a little bit different look on it but it's not that far off i, th I think the only really difference different in there is the deciding factor um the navy goes a little bit more risk averse can you prevent whatever is going to happen that's the big one this is going back now almost two decades <laughs> yeah, I'm digging deep. Sorry, man. Uh, I understand. I uh, was sitting down thinking about this all and realized it was like 18 years ago for me. Half my life ago now. Yeah, right? It's amazing how time flies. <laughs> right? The fun thing is, so how does like security fit into that DevOps life cycle? I mean, you kind of talked about it. If you've got a patch or if a CVE's come out and you've got to, you know, fix the, the bugs. But what about like, what if there aren't bugs that are necessarily found? Like, what happens day to day? Well, so a, a lot of those patches, like, let's go real world. You can't patch everything the time the patch comes out. You just can't do it. Like, some of your operating systems are running on a 10-year-old version, right? So you can't patch it because the CVE came out. Just because your company's making, let's say, 10x million a day on that one machine you can't bring it down so that real real life people everyone loves to say oh you need to update right now but that's not when there's money involved because we all know there's that one company that's running window xp right now because it makes them 100 million a day you just can't bring it down so for the security devops side of this this is where you really need to learn your whole system right so your servers, when you're monitoring your servers, like either you're using Ansible, Kubernetes, Greylog, even if you're doing 
secure code with like a sonar cube and that's a check when you go to de deploy a code it just checks to make sure there's no like sql injection right oh sure sure it's a basic check that's that's where your security comes in for that one that makes a lot of sense okay so it becomes then another step before you even ship something uh you check to make sure hey does this have anything that's known does this have anything that uh um, we know this sort of code is going yep. to lead to that sort of vulnerability. Yep, and the best thing about this is it's all automated. There's Once you set it up to start, you, you never have to go back to it. It's, it's a check mark now that automatically runs. Nice, nice. I do remember I've heard some QA and DevSecOps folks say that it all becomes very scripted, very check the box and just make sure that the box is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, my whole job as a QA and DevOps is to make sure my I become obsolete as fast as possible. And the only saving grace is developers really write bad code. I know I'm a some developers going to be mad about that, but they do. <laughs> I uh, could imagine. Do you see then a, a little bit of your job being teaching? Like, hey, the Sonar Cube in this case has noticed this, that, and the other, and you guys keep passing this code to me, and it keeps identifying it. Like, could we just stop that at the source? Yeah, so, some of it is to, you have to tailor Sonar Cube, right? You're going to have to tailor it to your code. So if you're using React.js... You can't have Sonar Cube going off on Python like, oh, I'm getting Python errors. Yeah, there's no Python, right? Yeah. So you have to tailor it just like anything else. And hopefully you're not getting enough errors where you're just ignoring them because you're inundated with error messages when they're not real error messages, right? Just like anything in IT. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, there's not a lot that you can just take and use off the shelf. It's a, uh, and you can't, you can't mix and match stuff without expecting to have integration issues. Yes, hundred percent. Um, but another thing for like a lot of people don't touch for like the DevOps side, like just when I, I went into the code, build, test, release, deploy, operate, monitor, that was probably like 10 to 15 different tools, if not more depending on the, the company, right? So you have AWS, Docker, Ansible, Kubernetes, uh, Jenkins, Circle, CI, Git, GitLab, GitHub, uh, SonarCube, right? Azure, OpenStack. And it, it, it list goes on and on. There's always companies out there. Um, so as QA and DevOps, you have to know almost a little bit about everything and hopefully a lot more about certain areas. Sounds like it could be a, a lot of work to get started. I imagine that's not really a, an entry-level type job, being, jumping to QA. Um, QA as a whole is entry-level. Like, I started with zero IT experience. Like, I, I had my A+, Net+, and I got a QA job. It's called a manual QA tester, which is no pretty much no code. Pretty much you get a... Um, a user story or a requirement and you validate whatever the developer did matches this requirement and if it doesn't you make a bug if not it passes right oh okay 
uh, automation QA is a little bit different. This is where you get into, I need to know how to code. I need to know how to do GitLab. I need to know how to do Kubernetes, Dockers, stuff like that. That way, uh, you're really getting, you're giving technical feedback and you're testing uh, specific pieces. It kind of feels like the uh, the known box, the like uh, opaque box versus the, a glass box, if you will. Like one, you know what's inside and you can give feedback off of that. The other one, yeah, you don't know necessarily what's going inside, but you do know what the effects are like as a user. Yep, it's actually, that's called a black box testing. You don't You don't see the code, you just know the outcome. Um, so you'll do a lot of that in like QA, just like prime in the prime example for Josh. I know you've gone on to the talks about how you're a pilot and you have your checklist for start, right? So if you didn't have parameters meet a checklist, what happened? It's abnormal. And if it's, if you're in flight, then you start thinking, okay, well, what's causing this? <laughs> if yeah. it's on the ground, then you go, okay, how do we plan around it? Yeah, so when, pretty much the same example for QA, right? So if I find something that's so far out of parameters, I stop it and the build doesn't go live because it broke something or whatever. Like I've I've seen a prime example. I've I've tested something that was for a sign-in page and they forgot to make the sign-in button. The page existed if you typed it out and went there, but to go from like the landing page to the sign-in page, the button wasn't there. I've seen that. I've seen that. <laughs> right? Um. So th th just that's bad, bad code in general. And the funny part, the co the dev guy came back was like, well, the requirement doesn't state there's a button. I made the ba I made the page like they asked, but they didn't ask for a button. They just asked for the page. So Man, that's why a team is so helpful, isn't it? <laughs> that's why you, this is why I have QA. And QA will always have a job. My brain starts going crazy and thinking, okay... Well, if this works for de or like development, for putting out software, where else could we use the same process? Like, I I'm thinking like financials or in building a business, deciding on like a, a go-to-market strategy. Like, it, it would be really helpful to have like a plan stage, a, okay, well, what if it doesn't work stage, a, okay, now you made it, is it good to go? Or like before we like yeah actually so you'll see this type of DevOps right um, like what's the Sigma Black Belt they have a oh own, yeah, yeah. They, they have their whole whole cycle for uh, manufacturing is the same principle just with less mo mostly less steps but the same principle military decision making cycle is the exact same and that's you know uh, not new. It also wasn't developed as a, hey, this is what we should do. It was more of a, hey, what are we doing? <laughs> Let's write it down and make it a, uh, identify it so we understand SOPs. what we're doing. Yeah, yeah I gotta love exactly. those SOPs. I don't, I, I don't miss those at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, organizational maturity, right? Yeah, that's that's when you know you made it big when you you have a dedicated person for SOPs. Our experience, looking at the military, like, what, Navy's going on 250 years doing what they've been doing? And even back then, nothing was new. It was... <laughs> yeah, 100% right there. <laughs> so I, I did have a thing I, I did want to ask you. How do you normally see your DevOps guys in your your field? Because I know you're, 
100% cybersecurity. How do you how do you deal with like your development side? It it all depends. Right now I'm working with uh, consultants and pen testers and our development is it's all our own internal tools. So enumeration scripts, scripts that are built specific for, hey, we found something, we're going to test it, and I don't want to sit here and run it over and over and over again, so let's build out something. It is very small, but it's also, we don't have time to have multiple people look at this, like, I'm building something out, I'm going to run it against some simple code, like, hey, is this code any good? Uh, You know, your simple editors or checks and like, VS Code, and then once you get it to run without errors, like, okay, sweet, now throw it against what we were testing on the, the client site. Now, uh, and with some run-throughs, you, there's things that you don't do. There's things that you know, like, this is going to break it. Um, yeah, yeah, but but you said, like, three the things could have probably been all automated, right? If it's you had very, a library that had all your scripts that you've done the same way over and over again with some variation, wouldn't you just want to mm-hmm. automate that? Oh, yeah. And that's... Uh, ideally, what you try to get to. Yeah, that's that, the whole point I'll, of DevOps. I'll be honest, that's that's something I've been trying to do with our pen testers because then we can scale. If we can just... We know what we want to run, and we know if we find this, we want to run that. So if we could take our initial scope, put it in a document, text file or markdown or whatever it could be, or CSV, that can then be read by our script... And we could just run and have one lead to the other, lead to the other, lead to the other. And, you know, hey, we find out it's day one. We're, we're clear to go hot um, on this web app. And we just run things and then come back the next day. And rather than, oh, hey, it found this. Now let's run this scan. Well, we know if it finds something, we're going to run it. So why don't we just automate that? And that's that's something we're, we're pushing towards. Right yeah, now we've that's, got... That's uh, a whole point of DevOps. Experts, right yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's actually yeah. one of the big things that I, I helped with my uh, last company was that whole principle of our red team had playbooks they, that they ran all the time. So one of the things they mm-hmm. were missing was like, oh, I did this playbook, but I'm missing information out of it. And my whole job was to automate that information to enrich data. Oh, yeah. So, like, you have an IP right now, address that you did? Well, here's all the information for that IP address. Just enrichment. Man. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you this morning we were having a conversation as we're, we're writing up a report of, hey, we've seen the same finding, like, three times in the last couple of months. Like, I'm looking at the previous report to, like, get the idea of what I'm going to write for, like, remediation on this one um, because it's fairly the same everywhere it's like okay that's time to like make it into a template and add it to the database but even then on top of that once we've got this database like why can't we just like have it autofill off of our scan results and then we go in and validate oh hey yes it does for sure do this let's grab our screenshots but you know yeah 100 percent. like that is we wouldn't even have to go in and add it from the database that that part could be automated yeah, right? People make whole companies just for that one thing. 
Mm-hmm. Chris, I, I know I could sit and talk with you for hours because we've literally done that uh, a lot. Thank you for going down this rabbit hole with me. We will we'll, we'll pick up this uh, conversation again, but this was just an intro, just an intro to, to Chris Frazier and Loops and Life Cycles. Is there anything that you've got going on that you'd like to let people know about? Uh, well, for first, thank you so much for having me here. Um, and one of the things that I've always been pushing more and more is the continuous learning. So if you're having a hard time out there, just put your hands on keyboard and do 10 minutes a day. And you'd be surprised by what you accomplish by the end of the week. And that's it for me, Josh. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great talking to you and uh, I will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Loops and Life Cycles podcast with Josh Mason, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player. Subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit itspmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our shows. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey 